Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Legal Wolf podcast designed to raise awareness of mental health and also tackle the stigma of mental health not only in the UK but around the world. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Sandra Vaughan who is the CEO of Dudley Minds. Hi Sandra. Hi Steve. So first of all, just for the listeners, would you be able to give a bit of background as to what MIND is and its origins? Yeah, I mean, I guess the origins go back a long way to um, when mental health was, you know, a really taboo subject. I mean, it still is to an extent now. Uh, Local MINDs then were called um, Associations for Mental Health. And that was before the Federation, which is known as MIND. Uh, was put together um obviously what we have at the moment is we have what we call the federation which is what we call national mind really and then we have local minds that sit underneath the federation however local minds are registered charities in their own right and um a lot of them like ourselves we're we're actually a company as well a registered company so we we cover particularly the black country and other mines will cover particular areas um so we actually affiliate to the federation Uh, and i guess probably not being too discriminatory in a way but local mines are the ones that probably you see doing work on the ground more than national mind people may see the large campaigns that are publicized by national mind but they don't relate directly into local minds so i think uh, local people actually relate more to what's going on locally but um i mean the name mind doesn't really actually stand for anything it's just probably coincidental that uh, mind is obviously it's about the mind yeah yeah and what people group of people do mind represent um well, I guess, in a way, it, it, it's not so much about representing them, although obviously we all do um, a bit of campaigning work around mental health. Yeah. But it's more about supporting and maybe offering opportunities for a better quality of life for people who want to manage their mental well-being. So not necessarily having mental ill health at the time. You know, we, we've all got mental health. Some yeah. days it can be good, some days it can be poor. People tend to think that when you talk about mental health, uh, that it's always bad. But, you know, as you know yourself, it can be really good. Um, So it's really about supporting people who want to manage their mental health, but also obviously some people who are living with severe mental health conditions or constant mental health worries. Yeah. And what... um type of work is done within the local community in regards to mental health and support being offered yeah i mean we we work across the four black country boroughs we also work in the wire forest area Um, and what we've been what we did before covid and what we've expanded during covid is we offer a lot of peer mentoring groups so support type groups but not the um the ones where people have to sort of almost confess yeah. about how they're feeling but people can dip in and out they can talk as much as they want to but what we find is people get a lot of value from that sort of in a way camaraderie that yeah. bit of social contact as well 
context as well where somebody might talk about what's happening to them or how they're feeling and somebody else might you know tell them how they've they've managed so we do a lot of that since the lockdown last year we've put some of those onto um an online platform zoom yeah. uh, but we still have some groups that meet face to face because a lot of people really wanted the face to face um some of those groups there's people that are working full-time people that are uh, in relationships people with families yeah. so all different types of people there can be a misconception that mental health is about people who aren't working and have a poor quality of life and that is a real misconception yeah. you know any mental health condition does not necessarily impact on that individual's quality of life it's about the support mechanisms around them we, we've actually um we we always gave support over the telephone we increased the times that we were available to do that from March last year, middle of March last year, because we realised straight away there would be a hike in mental health issues with people being under lockdown. So we had a lot of people who rang, rang wanting support, yeah. um, feeling their mental well-being was challenged. So a lot of the, the, the groups we run, that yes, yeah, some of them are for specific um, conditions, such as um, obviously anxiety and depression are very common. Yeah. Um, they affect us all from time to time. Bipolar disorder. Um, but we've also got specific groups at the moment. We've got um, an LGBTQ plus group uh, that meets face to face. We've got a deaf talk support group, um, okay. a BAME support group, uh, one that supports people who are caring for somebody with a severe mental health problem. We've got another group that um, works with parents of an anxious child. So lots of different things at the moment that um, are going on. We also have um, a horticultural project, so ecotherapy, yeah. and we managed to get that back. We, we did have to close that for a time. We got that back in September, um, obviously making a lot of changes for the safety of everybody. Yeah. But that's really beneficial because we know being outside is really good for our mental well-being but also having somebody there to talk to because a lot of the people who work on that project or attend that project live on their own yeah. so that was really important to get that back yeah and uh, i think lockdown has brought a lot of problems and a lot of challenges for everyone with the rise in anxiety and depression and concerns particularly in regards to furlough and whether or not they are going to have a job to go back to with that particular company if they're on furlough and do you feel that one of the positives of COVID-19 is that people are now starting to talk more about anxiety and depression? I, th I think one of the real positives has been that men have started to talk more. Yeah. Because we have had, particularly last year, you know, I can remember taking a lot of calls from men. Uh, and a lot of the times they would start off with, this is going to sound silly, isn't it? But actually, no, and it, it's good in one respect that men yeah. feel able to talk more. But obviously, with the lockdown, People felt a lot of males felt that their their masculinity in some respects or their yeah. role had uh, diminished because they were not working. Um, we took COVID nineteen as an opportunity. 
we realised it was a huge threat, obviously, yeah. but it was an opportunity for us to diversify some of our services. Um, but yeah, the other thing is that furlough had a, has had a massive effect on people. Um, even working from home, yeah. there have been instances where people have taken their own life because they couldn't cope with working from home. Uh, they needed to go into a building-based service. So some of the other work we've done has been with companies, with businesses. You know, I did a talk um, online yesterday to a, a big organisation um, about around furlough and working from home, how they can manage that. So one of the things that often goes is that lack of routine. Yeah. People don't keep to the routine, and that has a massive impact on their mental well-being. And if you think about it, you know, normally we may be thrown together with a partner, you know, a couple of weeks in the summer when we're on holiday and a couple of weeks around Christmas. Yeah. We're not expecting to spend months and months, you know, shut in together. And that, that has brought some anxieties, obviously, within family groups. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, when... Um... COVID came in around about March when the lockdown came in. It took a while for me to change and adapt because I was used to getting in the car at a certain time, going out and going to work, going to various hospitals with my job as a mental health solicitor. And then all, all of a sudden that literally stopped overnight. So you're stuck at home Um I lived on my own at, at the time. Now I've moved in with my parents because I'm in a, a support bubble with them, um, which I kind of wish I did for the first lockdown because the first lockdown was like very, very long. It was five, six months. Um, so your routine completely changes. I mean, when, when you're used to getting up and putting a suit on to go out to work, whereas now you don't feel as if you have to do that because you're working at home, but then there's so many different distractions. You've got the TV. If you've got children, you've also got the homeschooling, which you need to manage, which I can imagine has been a complete nightmare for the majority of people being able to keep all those plates spinning without dropping them. Um, uh, this past 12 months has certainly thrown a lot of challenges at us but hopefully now we are coming out the other end we've obviously had the recent announcements with our road out of lockdown so fingers crossed things get better um do you feel that once we're back to normal in quotation marks do you feel that there is the potential of there being a mental health pandemic with people still being very cautious going out going in large gatherings i mean this is this is what we're finding people are saying now and obviously we're, we're looking at post-covid yeah you know the uh, the problems that are going to come up post-covid because initially when the the lockdown started last year people didn't particularly consider mental health yeah i mean we realised straight away what was going to happen. So there was a concentration on shopping and getting medication for people, which obviously was right because, you know, yeah. very important. 
but obviously now people are starting to think oh my gosh you know there's a big mental health issue now so certainly uh, we're involved in quite a few things that are looking at what we what we do now where we go now how do we support people because a lot of people are frightened to leave the house now yeah they've been in so long they're just absolutely frightened to leave the house the other thing is that a lot of people have lost their confidence yeah. and if you think about it people who were labeled uh, as vulnerable some of those people were working they were holding down good jobs uh, never considered themselves vulnerable suddenly they've got this label of vulnerable yeah. which makes them you know that impacts on their confidence and their self-esteem and that can change how people start to feel and what happens after that. So it's really important what happens post-COVID. And I do think it's going to be a long, long road out of that anyway. Yeah. You know, normality is not going to, even when, well, we, you know, it's unlikely we're going to get absolutely everybody vaccinated because there is some resistance. Yeah. Um, but even after the majority of people have been vaccinated, I still think there's going to be a lot of uh, uncertainty and a lot of people who are really worried about the situation. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a, a new normal because things aren't going to go back to how they were beforehand is the impression that I'm getting that we're going to have to get used to potentially having a hybrid system in workplaces whereby you work from home some days and go in the office other days and do that more regularly depending on how people uh, I guess respond to to that kind of work-life balance to a degree. Yeah I think the, the other thing is that so many people have got so used to working from home now that it worries me to some extent that there's a lot of services that have never got back to running uh, properly and a lot of people really are losing out on support because of that yeah. you know i mean every meeting i go on lately everybody's sitting at home um and i joke about them being in the pajamas and fluffy slippers you know but it's, it's a bit of a worry yeah because we were able to come back you know we came back a long while ago uh, and we adapted some of our services to online um but yeah, it is a bit of a worry that I know certain facilities haven't opened at all and I can see that some of them won't be opening and they're places that really supported mental health. Yeah. And in terms of the mental health stigma, um, how far do you think we've come in the last 10 years and what further work needs to be done in order to normalize the conversation around mental health i mean we have we have come a long a long way sometimes we don't think we've come a long way i know in 10 years we probably haven't come as far as we have in probably the last 50 years yeah um but yeah there has been a, a lot of changes because obviously we've had the input of the young royals talking about their mental health and setting up their charity yeah. um, heads together and uh, we've had a, a lot of other helplines come forward. A lot of those are texts, and I still think that there's a lot of people who really want to speak to somebody. Yeah. You know, they, they don't always want to text. Um, so we have come a long way, but I think one of the things really is that we've started to depend very much on the digital technology. Yes. And 
I banged on a lot for a long while um, about the fact that, um, you know, there were a lot of people who were digitally excluded. Yeah. But now I start to have a little bit of a, a rethink about this and think to myself, well, why are we forcing some people to, you know, be included digitally when they probably don't want to be? Yeah. You know, we're getting away from that that choice. Uh, and that's probably one of the changes where we've moved forward. So the texting situation, I mean, we do have far more helplines out there. Um, it still is difficult. And I think perhaps we might have got a bit complacent because things have moved on. I mean, mental health, the word mental is still going to be the elephant in the room. Yeah. And it is the word mental that's the problem. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think a lot of the things that have taken us forward is that awareness raising so, I mean, we deliver a lot of training courses to companies around mental health and we support companies to develop strategies around mental health um, and to open up that conversation. So it's about making it uh, easy for people to talk about how they feel mentally as much as they would about how they feel physically. So that yeah. it's, it's the norm and that's what we have to, to work towards. And I guess perhaps there's an opportunity now because people are recognising the impact COVID's had on mental health. Yeah. It could start to become more normal to be opening up those conversations. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the power that language has when you're discussing mental health is quite key. So, for instance, the the do's and don'ts of what you say to someone who is, for example, suffering with, depression the last thing you would say to someone suffering with depression is oh snap out of it get over it because they won't it will just force them more into the depression so I, I think there needs to be more education around mental health I mean on this podcast I've championed for age-appropriate material in schools to teach young children the power of language when it comes to mental health so when they get to the age of 15, 16, 17 they will be more understanding of mental health and the next generation coming through won't hopefully have that level of stigma towards mental health um and and another thing would probably be the media and films because films a lot of people watch movies but there's not many that show mental health in a positive light quite a few of them show it in a negative light the most obvious one is one flew over the cuckoo's nest which is probably one of the most fame famous infamous uh films regarding mental health but there was one that I saw quite a few weeks back called A Beautiful Mind, which was yeah. very powerful and, and just shows that, yeah, you might have a, a severe mental health problem, but you can manage it and you can go on and achieve great things. So in this film, he goes on to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, you, he was a very mathematician, wasn't he? Yeah. Guy? Yeah, and I feel as if you need more films like that that show the positive side of mm. mental health in what you can achieve in life. 
I mean, in relation to, to young people, I mean, up until um, COVID, we were working with a local school, with um, a secondary school, training up peer mentors um, oh, right. who were going to support pupils that were feeling anxiety. And I have in the past um, worked in primary schools with year fives, developing peer mentors so oh. that they get to understand, you know, how they can support one another. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. Um, and I think really education is the way forward and hopefully COVID has brought that to the fore that you not only need to look after your physical health but you need to look after your mental health because it is equally as important um and and if the listeners are listening to this would like to get involved with minds how can they go about doing that sandra um yeah, I mean, you're, there, there, is, there will be a national mind number that will be listed there, an info line, and often you'll be pushed through, you'll be put through to uh, your local mind. They will refer you through to, to us. I mean, anybody who's in the black country, if they want to want to support us, um, we, we do have charity partners, companies who, who work with us, and we do have volunteers who help out with fundraising and admin and all sorts of stuff. We don't. We have a very small staff team. We don't waste a lot of money. Yeah. Anything we uh, are given, we're really grateful for. Yeah. Um, but they can contact us on oh one three eight four six eight five zero six zero. Okay. Um, and they can also email to inquiries at uk. Okay, smashing. Um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and I'm sure the listeners would have taken some insight from the episode into the work that Mind does. Um, so thank you for being a guest, Sandra. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Steve. And that concludes today's episode with Sandra Vaughan, the CEO of Dudley Mind, the mental health charity. Please feel free to leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode and also like the Legal Wolf Instagram and LinkedIn pages to stay right up to date with the latest content being released. Thank you.